0: Good morning, again, everybody. Good to see everyone out again this morning. All right, let's see here. Our hymn of invitation this morning will be number 31, Drifting Too Far From the Shore. So if you want to go ahead and turn in your hymnals to that, uh, we'll use that uh, afterwards. And again, I want to welcome everyone out this morning. I guess I better step back over there and get my glasses or we won't be able to proceed much further throughout this morning's services. And certainly it's good to be here and good to have everybody with us this morning. If you're visiting again, we'll welcome you and uh, certainly good to have you with us. If you're logging into Facebook or onto YouTube later on today, we welcome you as well. And uh, it's uh, it's an honor to, to share, and privilege to share God's word with you. 191 years. This congregation's seen a lot of stuff go on in 191 years. Now, just to kind of give you a little perspective of that. Our country was 54 years old when this congregation was founded and the state of Kentucky was 38. So uh, we've been around, they've been around a while. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds, you ever think about it? The hundreds and hundreds of people that have worshipped with this congregation over the past years. It's my prayer that we continue to, to see that happening for many, many years to come until Christ returns. That he would return and find us faithful. I'm proud to be part of this congregation, Uh, honored to serve it, and I hope that we are able to continue, as I said, serve this community well into the future. I'd like for just a moment for us to take a moment think about the times that we have had opportunity to do the right things or to make the right choice, but we felt kind of powerless to do that, kind of like our government right at this time. Uh, They can make right decisions, but due to outside pressure, greed, or personal agendas, sometimes they don't. I wish we seen people as on fire to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ as they were as vocal about people getting the vaccine. Because here's one thing and the only thing I'm going to say. With or without the vaccine, you may or may not get this virus. and you may or may not have a bad outcome and I'm not pretending to be a doctor or a virologist or an epidemiologist or whoever you want to refer to but I can assure you this if you die without Jesus Christ as your Savior it has eternal consequences and that's what people ought to be fired up spreading the news about the rest of it will take care of itself as it always has since 1830, if you think about what this congregation has went through, uh, every every war since the Civil War. They've seen young men and, and ladies, young women, march out of this community to the defense of our nation. Some returned and some did not. They've seen depressions, they've seen the flu pandemic of 1918 evidence of that in our cemeteries if you ever get into a cemetery and want to walk around start looking at grave markers and you'll see that many families in this area lost uh, family members to the flu in 1918 world wars depression civil unrest again this congregation has witnessed all of these things but yet they have continued to move forward we never folded we never stopped We had services that looked a little different over the past two years, 18 months. But yet we continued to serve our community regardless of what was going on around us. We continued to spread the good news of Jesus Christ and him buried and risen, crucified for our benefit that we may have a hope of eternity. That's what my wish would be. And this morning, as we continue our look or continue our series, In Christ We Are, the word that I want to, to, us to look at and be reminded about today is that we are empowered. In Christ, we are empowered. In chapter eight of Romans, we'll see Paul address Christians that have some of the same concerns as we do this very day. And he's making the point here that those who put their trust in Christ are no longer a slave to the world system. We're no longer a slave to sin and its effects on our relationship with God, much like the psalm. A little more like Jesus, a little less like me. We're empowered to make that a reality. And that's what I want to look at this morning as we continue our study. Because we have to realize that our determination that we have our go-at-it-alone, maybe, attitude will only take us so far. We can never be fully pleasing to God. We can never keep our focus long enough till we find ourselves wondering. Wondering why we do things that we shouldn't. Wondering why we don't do things that we should. Turn with me to Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verses 9 through 13. I, I don't have the PowerPoint up here, but I want to start off with verses 1 and 2. As, as I was going over it this morning, I thought, well, why didn't you add that in? Because it's so important. So as you're in your Bibles, Romans chapter 8, the first two verses, Paul writes this. And in the entirety of chapter 8 is about life in the Spirit, living in the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide you says, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And it, that is true for each and every person that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. He goes on to say, beginning in verse 9, But you are not in the flesh, But in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to flesh, to live after the flesh. For if ye live after the flesh, you shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to overcome the flesh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, pride of life. All of the external circumstances that we face each and every day of our life. The Holy Spirit empowers those Christians, those that have accepted Christ. And we'll get to that here a little later. You have the power to overcome these things. And that's what I want to remind us. I want to encourage us this morning. And that's who Paul's talking to here, is Christians That if you are in Christ, in the Spirit, and then how important it is for us to realize how important the Holy Spirit is to us. Who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? We we don't teach a lot about the Holy Spirit for whatever reason. I try to uh, teach about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit is the same as God and Jesus Christ himself. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. God the Spirit has been present since the creation. Go back and look, look at the creation story, Genesis, and the Spirit of God moved across the face of the waters. God has been here. John 14, Jesus says these words about the Spirit. John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus says this, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Now, some of your translations may say helper there, another helper. But notice there's a special word there that Jesus uses when he says that. He said, I'll pray the Father that he would send another comforter. Well, that would be speaking as someone like him, wouldn't it? We have Jesus in the flesh that walked upon the earth and give us these words and give us these examples. But he's praying to God the Father that he would send a comforter, a helper, that he may abide with us for how long? Does it say in the Scripture? Forever. Forever, the Holy Spirit will abide. The Holy Spirit has been around forever, and he will continue to be around forever. And he is a comforter, a helper to all of those that know Christ as Savior. We, maybe you can understand that. Have you been, surely most of us, if not all of us, have had times of difficulty, times of despair, maybe times of grief, and we've prayed to God, and we've prayed, and then suddenly you feel a peace come over that you can't explain, but you feel it. And you know that it's not from something that you've done, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. Don't be embarrassed by it. Don't be ashamed by it because that's what God sent him here for. That's what Jesus prayed that he would send him for was to be a comforter, to be a helper to us in times of trouble. Look on over in chapter 15, verse 26. Jesus says this, But when the comforter is come whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. The Spirit of truth, the Comforter, a Helper. How can, how can the Holy Spirit help us? Well, we can seek out the Holy Spirit's guidance and direction and things that we should say when we're unsure. We can take a moment and pause and allow the Holy Spirit to guide us in a direction. Before we speak, before we take an action. And if we truly are allowing the Spirit to guide us, He will. He'll guide us in the direction that we should go. He guides us to help us to make the right choices. On over in 16 8. And when He has come, He will reprove the world of sin and righteousness and of judgment. He also helps convict us. Now, the world calls it your conscience. The okay. Bible calls it the Holy Spirit. We know when we do wrong, we feel something, don't we? We know when we said something we shouldn't say, we, I hope that we have that feeling of, I shouldn't have said that, and a conviction fall upon us. We know that when we do something we shouldn't do, that same type of conviction comes upon us. How is that? by some great power we have of our own minds? No, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if we were allowed to, to decide for ourselves what we should and should not do, we would fail miserably. Because we cannot be our own guys because our ways are not God's ways. And God's ways are certainly not, in many cases, man's ways. So the Holy Spirit, what does he do? He's a comforter. He's a helper. He's a guide. He convicts us of sin. He convicts us so that we might repent and, and, and change a path. He's as real and as important as Jesus Christ and God the Father. And we do ourselves a disservice in denying him because if we deny the Holy Spirit, then we have denied Jesus who prayed that the Father would send the Comforter to us. If we deny the Holy Spirit, then we deny the power of God who desires that we have this guide and this helper so that we may live a more successful, more pleasing life. That's who the Holy Spirit is, if you didn't know before. Why do I need him, Rob? Chapter 7 of Luke, or Romans, I'm sorry. Romans chapter 7, verses 21-21. Two and 3 I find then a law that when I would do good evil is present with me for I delight in the law of God after the inward man but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members and if you look up at verse 15, he says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that I, do I not. But what I hate, that I do. We struggle with that, don't we? I do. Sometimes I know to do good and I don't. Sometimes I know not to do something, but yet I do. And that's what Paul's saying here to the church of Rome. We have a nature, and uh, human nature is a dual. Even for the Christian, but as you mature, maturity helps to broaden this gap. But we fight against ourselves. We fight against the flesh. Look around us in the world that we live in. You think you don't need help and a guide from God to to navigate what we're going through? That's why you need him. You need him because of what the devil is assailing all Christians with. You need him so that you can make the right decisions. You need him because you have a dual nature within you. Like it or not. Admit to it or not. It is there. You'll know to do good sometimes and you won't do it. And you'll know that you shouldn't do something, but yet you go ahead and do it anyway. There's not a one of us in this room that can can deny that fact, if that's the way it is. But through the Holy Spirit... Through the Holy Spirit, we can overcome that. That's why we need him. That's why we need the Holy Spirit. Paul went on in Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 13. He says this. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live or put to death, or discipline the deeds of the body. And that's what it takes. Who among us have not done something that we knew we shouldn't have done? We repent of it and we go a little while only to come back and repeat it again. It just happens, it happens. But when we discipline ourselves, as Paul's writing here to the church at Rome, we decrease the incidences that those happen. Because there are some things that are so deeply ingrained within our hearts, within our minds, that it's just not going to be one time that it's going to take us to get shed of those. It's going to take an effort for us to go day by day to not do something. Or, on the other hand, to do something. I know I should do that, but I just day by day the Holy Spirit will empower us to stop doing what we shouldn't or to start doing what we should and that's what he's saying here and if we want to live in the spirit we'll be empowered to do that to what? if you live after the flesh you shall die but if you live through the spirit do mortify the deeds of the body you shall live so there's a benefit the Holy Spirit gives all believers a benefit and it's that We need and must, must have the Holy Spirit to overcome the temptations that we face every day. And that's what the enemy's out there doing. The enemy's out there putting things, temptation in front of us. He knows what it takes to tempt you and he is gonna place those things right in front of you at every opportunity. We need the Holy Spirit to combat that because we can't do it successfully on our own. I've said it before. It's almost like the Holy Spirit is a bad word in some of our churches. And He shouldn't be. We should hold the name the Holy Spirit which is much reverence with as much love and as much care as we do when we say Jesus, when we say God the Father. We have to train ourselves to do that, folks. That's part of that discipline. It's part of that discipline. So we know he's a gift sent from God. He's a gift that Jesus prayed that we would receive. Do you have him in me? Do I have him in me? You may ask. Rob, sometimes I don't feel like I have him in me. Well, that may be true. Acts 2.38. You're familiar with this. You're familiar with when Peter was preaching on the day of Pentecost. Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and what else? And you shall receive the gift of who? The Holy Spirit. That's why you are baptized, folks. I've heard some churches and some preachers say that baptism is merely just an outward expression of an inward commitment. I can't find that statement anywhere in the Bible. I can't see where Jesus said to tell people to be baptized because it's an outward expression of an inward commitment. I did see in Matthew chapter 28 where Jesus said go unto all the world and teach and preach and baptize in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost. I've read that. And I've read here in Acts 2.38 where Peter did exactly what Christ instructed him to do. So there's a reason. There's a reason you're baptized. You're baptized for the remission or the forgiveness of your sins and that you may receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's why baptism is so important. That's why baptism... Do you see now how the enemy would want you to... If we understand what the Holy Spirit does in the life of a believer, okay? And Jesus said to go and baptize in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. And Peter baptized in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit that they would receive remission of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you see why that the enemy would want you to think that it's not necessary to be baptized? It's not necessary to be baptized. Sure, it's not necessary that you're equipped with the Holy Spirit as your guide and comforter and helper, right? He's removing a tool from you whenever you deny baptism. He's removing a gift from you whenever you deny baptism. And he's trying to to shift things. I didn't write this, folks. I read it. Okay? I'm not altering the word one-eyed. I'm reading it to you just as it comes out of the Bible. I challenge you to consider these things. I challenge you to consider the word of Jesus Christ, the words of Peter the Apostle, and the words of God himself versus the words of man when it comes to the Holy Spirit. That's not a, a real difficult thing to do. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, about the Spirit. It says, Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. We think about drunkards, how they. they they drink and they drink and they drink and they become so intoxicated they're, they're no longer functioning really as themselves we know it changes their personalities. It changes, it makes them more bold you'll say things that you, you wouldn't normally say or maybe you'll do things you wouldn't normally do under the influence of alcohol well and what he is saying here is the same thing except remove the alcohol insert the spirit. The spirit will empower you to act in ways that maybe on your own you wouldn't act to do things on your own you wouldn't do because you don't have the power of the spirit to encourage you. So be filled with the spirit. Not a spirit. The spirit. That's what he's telling us to do. So do you have him in you? That's something that you would know. That's something that you would know if you have followed through the commands that's in the scripture like Peter did on the day of Pentecost. You have the gift of the Holy Spirit, but have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? See, there's a difference. Oh, I want that forgiveness stuff. I just don't want that spirit fellow trying to make me do things I don't want to do. You You need to look at yourself. I'm not convicting you. I'm not the one that's saying, that you do or you don't, because that's not my place to say. But you know in your own heart, you know in your own life, if you're led by the Holy Spirit. Because if you're not seeking out the Holy Spirit's guidance, then most likely you're probably not led by the Holy Spirit. And we can see this. You might say, well, how do I live in the Spirit? How do I live in the Spirit? Romans 8, 14. And this is is going to be a tough one for you, okay? For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Tough, right? If you are led by the Spirit, you are the child or sons of God or daughters of God. How do I live in the Spirit? Allow the Spirit to lead you. Seek out the Spirit in your life. Read your Bible, pray, listen. Listen to the Holy Spirit speak. It it most likely won't be some kind of audible voice that you're gonna hear, but what it's gonna be, is gonna be speaking to your heart, be speaking to your mind, and it will be opened up to you the things that you should do, or shouldn't do, say, or shouldn't say. You have to seek out the leading of the Holy Spirit, allow the Holy Spirit to dwell within you and to lead you to be led or live a Spirit-filled or live in the Spirit in your life. I know that sounds too simple, doesn't it? Maybe you want, I wish that there was some big great formula. It took great, massive effort for us all to have to do to be led and lead a life in the Spirit, but it's just not that hard, and that's what makes it so baffling to me. It's not hard. None of this is hard. It's not hard to believe in Jesus. It's not hard to follow Christ's commands. It's not hard to be a Christian. Except for the fact that we get in our own way. The I part. I don't want to do that. But they did this to me. But they said this about me. But they're trying to do this. The Holy Spirit is trying to keep us focused. On what Jesus calls us to do. And that's to go out. And that's the song said. I'll refer to it again. Hold a hand. Help someone in need. Pray for someone. Speak a kind word to someone. Be understanding. Be uh, be forgiving to someone. We don't do that naturally on our own. We do that through the Spirit. The leading of the Holy Spirit. And to do that you have to be led you put your trust in God not yourself as I said pray, read listen listen with your heart and then follow that's how you live in the spirit and ask yourself this question who am I trusting who am I trusting it's supposed to be God isn't it well are you Are you trusting in God? You need to ask yourself that question. Or are you trusting in what you see? Are you trusting in what you hear? Are you trusting in what you read outside of this book? Where are you placing your trust? Because if you're not placing your trust fully and wholly in God, then you're placing your trust in something that is not of God. You just understand that, don't you? that if you put your trust in something that's not of God you're putting your trust in something of the enemy because we know there is no gray in this world, there is black and there is white there is sin and there is righteousness you have to put your trust and faith in God to be allow yourself to be led by the Holy Spirit as I said earlier, and this would be good reading, good homework assignment for you <clears throat> All of chapter 8 of Romans talks about the Spirit, living in the Spirit, trying to live your life in the Spirit. Read it. Read it and go through and understand and listen to what Paul is saying. The Spirit is mentioned throughout the Scriptures, but, but he dedicates this to life in the Spirit. And let me tell you this morning, and it's always been true, to live a life that is led in the Spirit, by the Spirit, all begins with accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. You have to hear the word. You have to believe it. You have to be willing to let that word change you, that truth change you, to where you want to repent of your sins and confess Christ as Savior. And then you are buried with him in the likeness of his death in baptism. Why? We just went over it. For the forgiveness of sins and that you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And when you're raised in that newness of life, that new new man is is raised, that old man is buried, you just walk faithful, being led by the Holy Spirit until Christ returns, or until we're called away in death. Now, maybe you've you've done those things, you've taken those steps, but you realize, you know what, I've really not let the Holy Spirit guide me. I've been convicted. But I've never let the Holy Spirit guide me. It's kind of like being proactive instead of reactive. When you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, you're being proactive to sin in your life. And when you allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of that sin that you could have been proactive about, then that's a reactive. I want to encourage you to be proactive. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to help you to avoid the sin, avoid the things that you shouldn't do that you know you shouldn't lead you to do the things that you should do that you don't. In either case, we're going to sing this hymn of invitation. Drifting too far from the shore, number 31. We're going to use the first and the third verse of this hymn. I want to encourage you to come as we stand and sing.